everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Parallel Barking. Uh, my name is Larry Backer, Wolf Wolf, and I'm here with my puppy. Ariana Backer, Bark Bark. And today I almost started by doing a replay of the cold open of Saturday Night Live of a couple of days ago uh, for what had got to be the, the most interesting 15 minutes of fame that three university presidents and a Republican House of Representative member from upstate New York uh, will likely have for the next several years. Mm -hmm. I'm referring, of course, to the now notorious uh, hearings that was held by the House of Representatives entitled Holding Campus Leaders Accountable uh, and Confronting Anti-Semitism, to which uh, Claudine Gay, uh, Harvard, the president of Harvard University, Elizabeth McGill, the president of the University of Pennsylvania, now um, resigned. Um, and uh, Pamela Nadell of American University, who is there as a faculty member uh, to provide context, uh, and Sally Kornbluth, uh, the president of MIT, testifying uh, the, the part of it which had caused a bit of a media stir and a uh, a, a fairly hysterical and and quite um, naughty uh, cold opening for Saturday Night Live was in the colloquy between the um, the three university presidents and uh, and the and Professor Nadell from American uh, and um, the representative of uh, from upstate New York. Uh, Elise Stefanik. Elise Stefanik. Uh, and uh, the, the, the. It was and, really, it was great because she repeated, I mean, it wasn't great. What, 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 it was a lot of, it was heated because she repeatedly asked whether calling for the genocide of Jews would violate each university's code of conduct. And the answer was varied and academic, but ultimately could be reduced to, well, it depends on context. Uh, and so we had what uh, in, in another context, uh, in which I wrote a little bit about this, uh, we had the, the development among these uh, university presidents of what I would call contextually relevant discourse, which apparently means that one can say the most offensive things uh, at least in this context, including um, invitations to consider the viability and utility of 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 a um, of the extermination of a particular group of people based on a characteristic. In this case, either their adherence to their religion or some genetic connection to religion, or uh, however it is that one uh, attaches membership. Uh, in this case, and there has been varied over the last two thousand years. Uh, that one could invite people to consider that, which within a series of contexts which remain undefined, uh, might not violate, while all personally abhorrent, uh, might not violate uh, the uh, at least the, the harassment and bullying rules uh, at, at the universities. Uh, the discussion, of course, was, was much more contextually um, granular than what ultimately occurred. But what makes this interesting is that the nuance was lost in the gist of what everyone ex extracted or what the media 
uh, and and pundits, including the the White House uh, and the the good folks at Saturday Night Live, extracted uh, from the uh, from the the testimony, which was that at least with respect to invitations to consider the genocide of Jews, um, there would be certain circumstances where one could understand that in either metaphorical, poetic, uh, or some kind of uh, way that that would uh, contribute to the sort of academic, uh, full-throated discourse that uh, people contemplate uh, at these um, at these universities, uh, which was actually, from a certain perspective, quite remarkable. Um, the the <laughs> The testimony, which of course was uh, posted, the, the written text of their testimony uh, was posted online by the, the three university presidents, and then uh, it's been posted everywhere else, provided a much, much longer form of the discussion. Uh, but it then all blew up because almost immediately thereafter, uh, significant donors, uh, particularly at Harvard and Penn, uh, began uh, were to express their um, their displeasure uh, and began campaigns to do two things. One is to cut their donations to these schools, uh, and two to begin lobbying for the um, for the removal of the presidents. Um, the first, I think, was would be effective. The second uh, merely cuts a symptom uh, rather than the, the, the diseases, university presidents did nothing particular to themselves. They were, if you, if you view them, uh, in their, uh, role, their fiduciary role as, uh, as incarnations of the, the sensibilities of the university doing no more than expressing, uh, what they believe to be the sense of the university community. So you can replace them all you want, and all you're going to get is a variation of the same thing if they remain true to this this ethos. But anyway, they did that. Um, one president has now resigned. I think he's the president of, of Penn, uh, has resigned. There have been calls for the resignation of the president at Harvard. Uh, both the Penn and Harvard presidents then came out with, you know, those reality TV shows. They have those uh, boxes, those, those glass enclosed places where you can do your personal truths and confessional spaces. They did variations of that, I think, either on Twitter or they they put out their own statements. Uh, one of them, and I believe it was the president of Harvard, uh, went on about her own personal truths as opposed to the institutional truths, uh, which made very little sense on the one hand uh, and also suggested the irrelevance of, of what she was saying in terms of her apology. Uh, because it was a personal apology rather than one about the way in which she would act in her institutional capacity. So I have no idea what personal truth means here other than a confirmation of the fact that invitations to say things like genocide against the Jews could be contextually motivated within the truthness of, of, the, of the, the context. Uh, and the, the Penn president also... Uh, uh, sent out some notice uh, apologizing for what, in retrospect, they both thought were uh, either they weren't thinking or uh, stuff happens uh, and 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 the like. Um, we don't yeah, know. Yeah, so they happen. did some backpedaling afterward, but this is after backlash. I mean, the whole thing, I feel, 
was theater. Well, right, but quite instructive theater. It was theater, but it was also theater of belief. Uh, well, why are we doing me... this now? Why, why, why did this happen now? Oh, because they were called to Congress. And why uh, were they called to Congress now? They were called to Congress in the aftermath of some of the uh, reported uh, instances of, how shall we say, robust performances of speech on the campuses of these schools uh, that effectively reminded Jewish students of the way in which they would react to majority peoples uh, in other places and in other times. Uh, starting with Europe in the middle of the last century and then going back all the way to probably the first century of this of this era. Uh, and uh, to I... all of those, there was either indifference or after the fact uh, discussion. Or what was really interesting was the inability to detach the particulars of these actions from a this mania for contextualizing everything Jewish into a broader space. So throughout this testimony, it was never a Jewish problem. It was anti-Semitism and Islamophobia, or it was anti-Semitism and something else. It was anti-Semitism and something else. So it couldn't stay, it, it, it could never in these statements, none well, of this Because that is extremely alone. uncomfortable for, uh quote, intellectuals to think about themselves as anti-Semitic. It's uncomfortable for academics to think of themselves as misogynists, to think of themselves as uh, as gender oppressors, uh, to think of themselves uh, in all it kinds of other like ways. It felt like the whole time they were thinking about their image. That was uh, you're being, well... <laughs> that that is certainly one way of, of looking at this, but but in a sense, and in a broader sense, perhaps, what you're seeing, and you're right, you're right. What we're seeing is the exposure of the sensibilities of an elite intellectual class with deep ties to uh other functionally differentiated elites in industry, in policy circles, among uh functionaries in the State Department, uh, which for a century had been notorious for this kind of thing, uh, apparently, uh, but who knows how they're doing now. I'm sure they're doing fine um, as, as these things are measured contextually. Uh, but but uh, what it does do is expose, it's not just, and, and that's really my point, it's not just them. Uh, and to think that you're either going to solve the problem whatever this problem is, and it's, it's difficult to design, to, to define merely by getting rid of these three people uh, is, um, is, 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 I think, misses the larger point that what you have here is a well-entrenched, it's a well-entrenched set of cultural presumptions. Well, right. My uh, point academic is... cultural presumptions that are not going to go away merely it... because you can, uh, uh, President Gay or President uh, McGill or or uh, President Cornbooth. Yeah, my, my point is, I don't think the point was to solve the problem. The point was to blow it up. The point of these these hearings was to blow up everybody's spot, basically. Well, but you've blown up people's spots. You haven't blown up 
and and again, then it's well, just the, you're right. You're right. Then it's just it's the politics of the personal, and ultimately, at the end of the day, we really don't care. It, it not necessarily just the personal. They were asking not about their personal lives. They were asking about the. Yeah, yeah, but it's a person who's going to get canned. And then you think, well, okay, so now we got rid of McGill. Now we've solved the problem. Where what I'm saying is no, because McGill has got a clone in virtually everyone else who would be viewed as suitable uh, to replace her in the presidency of Penn. So you haven't solved the problem. You're just playing musical chairs. And the next person is also going to have their own well, sets of, of personal truths uh, and this contextual speech stuff. Um, I just love this stuff, this contextually relevant discourse stuff. Well, yeah, but I mean, uh, that's, and then what, we'll contextually that's what I'm saying. That wasn't the point. That wasn't the point of it go. in the beginning. It wasn't to solve anything. That wasn't the point of it. So why well, are you true. looking for a solution? But I'm, on a side note, before I forget, and, and we'll come back to this, but I, I we, we really should bring this up. There was a line of defense, which lasted, I think, a nanosecond that suggested that all of this was really not about the Jews, because indeed the whole point of this is to make sure it is not about the Jews. It's about Judaism and Islamophobia, Judaism and uh, prejudice on race, ethnic or other grounds. It's, it's Judaism and there's no such thing as Judaism in this case, which is very weird, but not unremarkable given, like you said, absolutely right, the discomfort with this thing. But there was a moment, it looked like, where the defense was, oh, you're just beating up on women. And isn't this weird that, in fact, the only time you're going to beat up on university presidents is when you get three women. Okay, that women, makes me mad. You get that... four women together um, in, in a room full of, oh, wait, who was it who was going after them? Women? Well, <laughs> So, which is why it lasted a nanosecond. So there was there was a bit of that, which of course then degenders, I guess, the the Republican member uh, from New York, uh, who was <laughs> leading this, as well as erase from right. uh, from memory the the the, the leadership uh, <laughs> in in the House, uh, but but. They, they they tried. And again, that gets back to it's another variation of what we're of what we're seeing. And here again, we've got contextually relevant discourse that is contextually relevant uh, performative discourse. Mm -hmm. Why is it that it was only women who were beaten up? Well, because these women happen to be good enough and uh, outstanding enough to have been offered and to have taken their place as they should have given their qualifications in the presidency of these three institutions, which, as I understand it, are neither gendered male nor female nor anything uh, in between, around, above, or or below. Yeah, they're all just trying to find these gotcha moments. Right, right, right. But they're distractions. And they're the, the, the stronger the distraction, of course, the more nervous people are uh, you would think the the defenders anyway about this, um, but there were there were other moments. If you read the 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 statements, there are other moments of hilarity, uh, and I I won't name names, but among my favorites is uh, proof of of being nice to the Jews by making sure that the little group that they set up to be sensitive to anti-Semitism gets instructed by folks from Brandeis University. Uh, which is which is very telling. It's it's unclear to me why it is that one would have to go to Brandeis 
uh, in order to to be instructed. But yes, you know, if that, you're again, in you're a signaling world, at you're, a world class university. We don't know anything. Well, we, we, that's right. Without, we don't know about we know everything, but, you're but we don't know about Jews. Right, but you're signaling again. This is uh, the contextually based. If you get the imprimatur of of the Jews, then it's then it's okay. And of course, I believe that. Uh, and again, no names. Uh, one of the the presidents was, in fact, we have uh, an African American president. Uh, we have a um, a Euro American president, uh, and we have a, a Jewish American president, uh, and uh, who also uh, testified and and indeed did so. And there was there were hints of of um, questions about uh, the multiplicity of Jewish perceptions of Jew hatred uh, or of the, the notion of whether or to what extent. And, and we see this uh, in other areas. This is this is very popular again, among, uh, among theorists, uh, the notions of internalized um, self-hatred mm -hmm. uh, and that that was popping up. So you've got all of this stuff swirling, the kind of stuff that you thought would have been um, we we would have finished having the conversations about and and have moved beyond, but no, they're they're all back. All this stuff from the the forties and fifties, when having witnessed the horror of contextually, what shall I call it again? Uh, the horrors of of um, contextually relevant performative discourse um, that that we would have moved into some other space, but apparently not. Um, and and indeed around all of this is the expression of that uh within the 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 character of some of the protests around the uh the Israel Hamas war which is the the elephant in the room that that no one uh wanted to to touch uh and 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 rightly so because in fact if you conflate the Israel Hamas war uh with the manifestations of uh, of blanket notions, for example, and this is also making the rounds that uh, a Jew is by nature of their Judaism uh, complicit in whatever is going on uh, in the state of Israel and then taking it out on them. There was the, um, the, the I think it was a falafel maker in Philadelphia, uh, a bunch of protesters went and there's some slogan, some 60s era rhymey slogan uh, about them being... Um, uh, tainted with the the, the genocide uh, by virtue of their of their um, of their identity or the identity that's foisted on them. Uh, when you put all of this together, then you know the merry-go-round twirls around, and we're back to oh uh, anti-Semitism. But then and and then can you distill it or can you dissipate it by situating it? And I'm using an academic term by situating it within. Uh, the and you know Judaism and Islamophobia or Judaism and uh, anti-immigrant bias or Judaism and something else. Well, so that, you're hyphenating that... uh, anti-Semitism, which itself is hyphenated, is now doubly hyphenated because you cannot, and certainly these presidents could not bring themselves to. You cannot talk about it without hyphenating it with something else. 
Uh, it's a cocktail that's too strong and needs to be watered uh, down a little bit, watered mm -hmm. down a little bit, uh, or as as the president of Harvard and at Penn were at pains to say that it needs to be contextualized within some larger discourse. Unless, of course, contextually, uh, it's not suitable to do that in some other context and with respect to some other horror, uh, in which case it's all cool. I, so all I mean, it's, stuff, it's, it's, uh, I mean, that's the first time. I've I've ever heard <laughs> that there is a context for genocide. No, but, no. And well, no, this is not the first time I've heard there's a context for genocide. There's always a context for this. Uh that's been that's been the rule for uh quite a number of years. Um my my favorite part of these speeches is if you if you read them carefully, they basically um they can be reduced to a, a couple of sentences. Number one, we're horrified by people who are mean to other people. All right, that's fair. Five. Number two, number two. We have traditionally tried to be very nice to our Jews, uh, and we are very nice to our Jews because every once in a while we'll go visit Hillel or we'll go send them off to the, the Jewish university for instruction or we'll listen to the voices of Jews. So we're very nice to our Jews. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the third thing is, uh, is, of course, we're horrified by all this, and so we're going to do what academics are famous for doing. Uh, we're going to set up a, uh, a we're going to set up Consortium. a series of rules which we will apply in a contextually relevant way uh, through using our our systems, which in this case are going to be particularly sensitive both to context and to process, as opposed to others where context and process are kind of presumed, but they're not presumed in this case. And that's it. And that's it. And of course, they are they are they are horrified. But you know, I can't really tell you much more beyond that these statements are saying. Um, so, what, oh, and we're also going to put up some guards. And so uh, uh, Jewish brothers and sisters, don't worry. Um, you can do what you want. Just, you know, don't wear your skull caps or any Jewish insignia. Uh, don't walk alone at night on the street. We'll have Wait, some what? security for you. No, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating, of course. But for example, uh, Harvard talked about uh, my personal favorite is enhancing counseling resources. So um, we have mental health, and I'm quoting, we have robust mental health and counseling resources. So assume you get beat up um, uh, or uh, you're you're somehow mistreated in, in a horrible way. Don't worry. Uh, we've got a therapist uh, to deal with the, the aftermath. Now, religious community support, increased reporting mechanisms. So you can report your little heart out about all of these things. And then we'll have numbers and numbers are wonderful because then we can add this to our digital monitoring systems, develop some algorithm either to fudge the numbers or work them, bake them in a way that then we can longitudinally show how we are overcoming, right? So we shall overcome uh, this in, in some particular way through these reporting and digitalized mechanisms. Policies for on-campus events will make sure that events are, are sort of nice in a contextually relevant way. And, and of course, the increased security. So that's that's coming out of uh, Harvard, which is all very nice and, and by the book. Again, I'm not mocking them. This is standard operating procedure for a lot of these things. Uh, but it, it does a marvelous job. It does a marvelous job of doing everything but, and this was why uh, the the congressperson was just so effective. It did everything but answer the question. Yeah. 
everything but answer the question in profoundly interesting ways, uh, some of which were unfortunately interesting and some of which might have some basis in good faith and in a contextually relevant way of actually moving us forward. Uh, but for the moment, uh, Ms. Stefanik, mean, I'm afraid, I, had the, the better of She had the upper this. hand. Absolutely. But I understand how they wanted to stay true to free speech, the First Amendment. And boy, oh, howdy, did they. Well, I mean, yes and no, since uh, before the Second World War, uh, and that, that was the, the <laughs> SNL, the, the Saturday Night Live people actually knew their, their law of free speech better than, uh, than the presidents of these universities. Uh, when they slyly, I mean, it, it was really well done, and they, they slyly threw in the, the question, well, um, is it, is it, does it violate your policy? In this case, it was, I think, harassment and bullying. Does it violate your policy to uh, to uh, suggest that you might consider genocide against the Jews? And then they gave the contextual, well, we don't know, we don't know. Uh, and then, then he said, uh, but uh, what about if you uh, yell, uh, if you if you say you're going to burn down a theater, mm -hmm. right? And there's there's the old there's a very famous uh, extract of a of a, a constitutional case that said, yeah, you got free speech unless I think it's unless you yell fire in a crowded building. And the response, the SNL response, and I think it was it came out of the mouth of either the MIT or the the character playing the, the pen president goes to say, well, I would just be delighted because it means that we're supporting the arts. Oh right? yeah. And she said something, I would be delighted because there's light. There's there's a light to see all of the, the beautiful art. <laughs> right. And and also that people are in the theater supporting the arts. Right. And 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 it was it was a very pointed way of suggesting just how uh the, the presidents the presidents had to some large extent uh, lost their way, and they lost their way in that very complicated house that uh, they and their academic class, because again, it's not just them, they are merely factotums of a much larger forest of like-minded people. They're not unique. There's, there's, so I, I don't blame them. I mean, they, they even are said... true to, they are true to a class who honestly, and, and I will give them all of the benefits of, of any kind of, of space for the most good and positive and 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 wonderful reasons um, have built a complicated house, the contradictions and horrors of which I think this colloquy finally, if only for a moment, uh, uh, at least shed a little bit of light on. Um, they're going to work very hard There'll be some personal sacrifices, not sacrifices in belief, as these folks are not changing their beliefs. Um, there will be changes of personnel, of bodies, but not changes of belief. And then the hope that with some apologies, and again, with these systems, you'll have your therapist, you'll have your priests, uh, you'll have your, um, and I said that deliberately, uh, you'll have your priests, you'll have your uh, police people, and then all of this will eventually go away as the next crisis consumes well, the political class. Well, they'll learn how to deal with it differently next time. Right, but the problem will not go away. And, of course, 
uh, the the Jewish question always being a canary in a um, in a mine is merely a warning with respect to all kinds of other areas that are already blowing up, right? The gender areas, the race areas, the ethnicity areas, the areas of migration. Those are also just waiting. Uh, the, the Jewish problem, of course, has been so well defined over 2000 years that, you know, this one's almost on automatic. The others, you have to work a little harder to, 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 to get through, which is why it, it just made a lot of sense that if something was going to blow up in a contextually relevant way. Uh, sorry, I just it's, it's just um, yeah. right now I've, it's it's that button and I'm pressing, pressing it, it. it. Keep getting it, rewards. The big red button. Um, right. <laughs> You can't help yourself. Uh, I just can't help myself. It's, it's, you know, that's 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 where you go. Uh, between that and um, and seeking not an apology but an explanation, um, you know, they by expounding their own personal truths, right? You you get you get exactly nowhere because in a sense. With the congressional hearings was not about personal truths. Uh, as much as I love and respect all these people, I really could care less in their roles, their representative roles as presidents of these universities. I could care less what their personal views are. And indeed, I hope I would be horrified if they run these things the way according one would expect a dictator. Views. Right. Yes, according to don't. right, they have a fiduciary obligation, a representative obligation. So what I do not want to hear, or what I find, although I love hearing this stuff and, and I would be happy to have yeah, a hear with them the uh, about this. Um you know, I, their personal truths are for me, unless it's some horror, their personal truth is that they're a serial killer. Yeah, that's that's terrible. But their personal truth in this institutional context where we are at uh, is of no relevance other than to the extent that it may be abhorrent. I'm sure it's they're not. So what I want to hear is their institution, their collective truth the collective truth, which is their duty and responsibility to uphold in this context and in other contexts, not the uh, anti-Semitism and, but each in its own right, given its its own. Yeah, but it seemed like they were really space. flustered articulating the. What, these people flustered? Oh, spare me. You've got university presidents at the top of their fields. These are global leaders, all of whom were prepped, if I understand correctly. You know, they they were not sitting at home talking to their um, talking to their best friends. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! What am I going to say? Uh, as I understand it, not only did they have their staffs, and I would be shocked if they didn't compare notes before they all went in together. I, the the wow. university so president at the elite level were... is a very small and clubby <laughs> world, but I'm sure that they would have had to have hired all kinds of outside people to help prep them. All right, the so... way, for example, you traditionally prep for Supreme Court arguments. Well, absolutely. Prep for a testimony Do you think the they like. prepped for the question? But this would have been the most that? simple and direct question. This would have been the first one. I mean, if, you know, if they'd have paid back, me the right? kind of money they paid, whoever it was that they paid, the first question out of my mouth would have been, so how are you going to answer the question? Do you um, do you condone? Do you... Uh, does your institution condone or what is your institutional response to cool uh, someone going and saying, hey, I think it's a great idea to genocide the Jews? It's totes um, fine. 
let's work through that. And then to have the courage, especially given the amount of money that they're paying me to have the courage to say, well, I don't think that saying, well, context makes a difference is going to get you very far in, in these things. So it's, I, you know, if it was someone who had absolutely no resources, no experience, uh, no nothing, we have former deans of law schools, uh, we've got presidents of who are now serving as president, you've got people at the very top, and you've got to respect them. They are there because they merit it in terms of their abilities. I'm, no one is taking that away from them. But that just augments the failure, the blindness, and worse than that, I think, the belief system, the collective belief systems that all of them gave mouth to uh, in the form of their written and then uh, their written testimony and then in the, You're right. uh, the college. They prepared so, for this. They were ready. Do you so, think do you think that if it was a different population and they asked the same question about genocide, the same answers? Well, that would that would depend on context. <laughs> Don't you think it would it would it would depend on context? The and answer of course, would definitely depend on context. And of course, and, and this will be my last point, um, there's a lot of ideology hiding behind an innocuous word like context, right? You use context, who, who knows what context means? Context really in, in a lot of ways is the way in which you signify or you give signification to the application of a series of presumptions um, and rationalizations. Context is the way in which you actually think about the Jews in this case, without actually having to expose the it's way you of, think about the Jews because really what you're talking about is, is context. I tickled if somebody asked a follow-up question could you explain to me what you mean by context well right and and i would be surprised if they had the 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 answer um right it, it, but but again it's the the context here uh one of inviting individuals to consider the value and positive qualities of engaging in the genocide of the jews uh, that the, the context is a way of taking the sting out of that invitation and of rendering it merely an expression of something else. This is this weird journey really exposes, I think, the underlying presumptions with respect to the power of the speech, mm -hmm. right? That's the context where, in a sense, you can, in ways that you couldn't in other contexts, shrug your shoulders when someone says, um, well, let's consider the possibility of uh, genociding the Jews. Eh, heard that before. And so the context suggests, right, but but this is horrible. If And and then, of course, they would never phrase it that way. And they ought and they would be and then ought to be horrified if, in fact, that's what happens. But it's almost inevitable that's, that's where this leads. And it's very hard to avoid this uh, and then to avoid the the systematic thinking that got you there, which then also suggests that at some point, this differentiation of horrors with respect to these identity categories is something that really, really, really needs a hard conversation, which no one is going to be having. Uh, and certainly uh, gender uh, folks, uh, race folks, migrant folks uh, ought to have a lot to say about this and ought to be quite nervous about the implications of this. But that's all I got. Woof, woof. In I guess context. I'll stop there, too. In context. <laughs>
Bark, All right, bark. folks. Until next time. All right. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>